0: So dear friends, we're living in extraordinary times right now. And I want to make this message about the coronavirus and what we're living through. Uh, And it's aimed primarily at the spiritual community or for the spiritual community, those that see themselves as part of that. it seems to me that the essential message of spirituality, very simple, is that we need to meet any crisis, and this one, especially, with love and wisdom. I see that as a perennial message in all the spiritual traditions of the world. And I want to take a look at how well we're doing with that, and particularly how well we're doing with the wisdom bit. So first, I want to acknowledge all the wonderful things that people are posting. Um, I want to wa- acknowledge the goodwill. Um, The love and wisdom that's out there but in times of crisis it's really important how we make sense of things and this is an opportunity to see how well we're doing at that and i think there's some sense making going on in the spiritual community that is faulty in an important way and we can learn from it And we can learn from it now and maybe we can stop it happening So we're looking at, you know, (laughs) does it meet the criteria of being, coming from love and wisdom? It feels that with each thing we say, with each post we put on social media, we need to ask, is it true? Is it kind? Is it wisdom? Is it loving? And there's lots of well-meaning posts, which I'm seeing and receiving, and they are well-meaning, but they are neither true nor kind. And I just want to take a look at that. I I feel we need a new spirituality because like many of us, I think we are in an evolutionary moment of change, transformation, quite, well, deeply profound, actually. Not quite profound, deeply profound. And that for that to happen, we need spirituality to play a an important role it's just that the spirituality we have right now is not up to it yet spirituality itself needs to evolve and in particular it needs to become rational reasonable it needs to think clearly you know i hear a lot of talk in spiritual communities about coherence which is a lovely word and i hear about energetic coherence and emotional coherence but often what i see alongside that is intellectual incoherence So in this video, I want to examine why spirituality ends up attacking something as beneficial as reasonableness, which is actually the foundation of wisdom. And I want to first come at it by looking at the problem of when it's missing, um, by looking at the way in which uh, some of the spiritual community have been responding to this coronavirus. And I find it disturbing because I'm old enough to remember the AIDS virus and the response reminds me of the response that happened from the fundamentalist Christian community to the AIDS virus. So then we had this awful disease come in and the, some aspects of the fundamentalist community proclaimed that this was a message from a loving but severe Father God who didn't approve of homosexuality, didn't approve of our liberal attitudes towards it, and was either punishing us or teaching us, something like that. What I'm seeing now is that this coronavirus is being portrayed as a message or even a punishment from a loving but severe Mother Earth who is demanding we change our ways, or telling us to wake up, or has had enough and wants to throw us off. And just as in the AIDS epidemic, there was people who said they were able to speak for God and tell us what God was thinking, I now see people who are speaking for the earth and telling us what the earth is thinking and what this message is. And what worries me about both is that I see people using a natural calamity to forward their ideology, their agenda. Now, the difficulty for me, and I suspect if you're watching this video, maybe for you, is that I had no sympathy with the fundamentalist agenda. I had no problem with gay people. I didn't, I didn't approve of what they were saying. But I have great sympathy with the view that we need to change how we we relate to the earth. I really think we do. I have great, I do think we need to pay attention to climate change. I, I think there's a real important message there but it worries me profoundly if we hijack a human tragedy to for to 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 go look uh, this is proving me right that concerns me profoundly and it doesn't feel the way to go so is it true is the earth a living being sending us a message to wake up? Well, we can go down the road with, with scientists like James Lovelock and see that the, the earth is Gaia, one integrated meta-organism, and that's profound, but he would certainly have not have said that it was a being with intentionality, doing something, sending messages, or that it or there is no mechanisms in the ecology for it to do that. What we actually have here is what's known as zoonotic spillover uh, from bats or pangolins perhaps to human beings. The disease has come from uh, animals into human beings. And now there there may be things we've done badly to animals we need to learn that, that has caused that. And we certainly should learn that but there's no intentionality from the earth because there's no mechanisms first of all it's a big affirmation that the the earth would be the sort of thing that could have intentionality and secondly there's no mechanisms within the ecology which can go yes i want to send a message and there's no the other the other myth i hear a lot is this kind of romanticism that that there's an, there's an ecological balance and everything has been in balance and then human beings have come along and messed that balance up, but it's just not true. Now human beings, we are doing terrible things to the environment. Please don't get me wrong. And we need to learn and we need to wake up. All of that is correct, but there is no permanent ecological balance. It's just not true. And truth matters. What there is, is a constantly evolving and changing ecology of different life forms, cooperating and competing and they form a temporary balance and then something changes the environment changes one species does really well disease comes and then that balance moves and sometimes it's dramatic we've had five complete extinctions on this planet not caused by human beings and you can see how these myths develop because you know like Me, you probably heard at one point many years ago that the Amazon produces 20% of the world's oxygen. So it's the lungs of the universe. What an image. And we're destroying the lungs of the universe. You can see why that's a powerful meme. Except if you you research it, it, it turns out not to be true. Actually, the Amazon takes in as much oxygen as it produces. It's not even metaphorically the lungs of the planet. But once you've got that idea, you can see how you can go, oh, look, we've destroyed the lungs of the earth, and now the earth is destroying our lungs with this virus. And that's where you get this really disturbing image of, you know, mummy's angry and she's hurting us for our own good. But if you just stop and think about it for a moment, it, it just doesn't make any sense. There's a, I have a list here in front of me actually, of all the pandemics that have swept through human beings in history, and there's a lot of them. Were they all messages from the earth? And if not, what makes this one different? Why is this one a message and those aren't a message? Come to that, you know, this is probably come from pangolins or bats. Were they being punished? Was there a message from the earth to them? Was Dutch elm disease a message to the trees? It takes a moment, and if you think it through, suddenly it feels like, oh, this, this is not true, is it? And then you end up, if you don't do that, you end up with this ghastly, in my view, upsetting, just painful thing where people with the best motives in the world, they're trying to make sense of something. They're trying to make sense of this awful situation and turn it into something positive. And in so doing, they create something ugly and you end up with you know videos i've been seeing and poems thank you coronavirus because you've brought us this message from the earth and we're going to change and it brings us quiet and stillness and reflection now i am all for seeing the positive in this there will be huge positives in this and we need to find them that's the wisdom but thank you coronavirus it's like people there are people right now All over the world, dying painfully without a respirator because we don't have enough of them, or in rooms abandoned because no one knows they're there. Families in intense grief. Thank you, coronavirus. See, I can't say that. I can't. I can't imagine myself being with someone in that situation and going, well, you're collateral for a positive message from the earth. Sorry. That does not feel wise or kind. But here's what I can do. I can sit with them and go, this is a natural tragedy which sweeps through the biological domain from time to time but we will do everything in our power. I will do everything in my power to make sure that your suffering and your death is not in vain and that we learn something great from this and that we come out with a kinder, wiser society that we use it as an inspiration for how we can work together to tackle climate change, that we see that our modern way of life maybe is taking us in a direction that we don't want to go in, that we want more reflection more community that, that that caring for, the people who, off, you know, that, that it's that it's not the we're, we're valuing the wrong people in society. all the things that people see. Yeah, that's how we can redeem the suffering by making it lead to something positive. Now, but you don't need to go. Thank you, coronavirus. I mean, you know, in the in England, what came out of the World War Two was the NHS, which is, I think, probably the most. Beautiful example of institutional compassion in our country, ever by a long way. But no one says, Thank you, Mr. Hitler. Of course not. Good comes from bad, but bad is not good. So, is it true? Is it kind? These memes are not true and they're not kind. They're well meaning, but they're neither love nor wisdom. And part of the reason I'm making this video is I want to appeal to everyone to to stop sharing them. To to see what they are, and just go. Oh, this is well-meaning. This is people trying to well, well well-meaning. It's people trying to bring meaning to a painful situation in the wrong way, and it's in the wrong way because it's not being thought through carefully. And if you do very quickly, you can see that it's not true, and not kind. So how do we end up here? And how can we, how can we have a better spiritual sense making than this? Okay, so it seems to me, and the way that I'm trying to create a new spirituality to, to meet the challenges of the 21st century, is that we need to take on a, an evolutionary understanding uh, that science has now given us. A, a breathtaking, massive idea. I've spoken at length elsewhere, I'm not going to go through it now. But the essential idea is, look, there's 14 billion years in which we've moved from basic matter, hydrogen, Then the whole of the physical universe has evolved and 10 billion years later you get the beginnings of life and then from life is going to come psyche, which is the Greek word for soul. It's good to use both of those words because they have different feeling to them. This other domain, the domain of meaning, the domain of imagination, the domain of thought, the domain of everything that spirituality, it's a whole realm out there and if you've been involved with spirituality you know that. It, it's That has emerged, I want to suggest, from this process of evolution, matter, life, soul. And since that has happened, nearly all of the evolution is happening very, very fast in soul, with the evolution of the way that we think about things, how we meet the universe with our, 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 our story, with our concepts, with our imagination. And... That's the evolution of individuals, individual souls, and also whole cultures. And I wanna focus on a, a very important transition, which is about 400 years ago, which is where we moved from what you could call a religious mindset or a pre-rational mindset into a rational or scientific mindset. Now, obviously lots of people didn't make that transition, but there, what, that did happen. And what you see is you move, we, move, we moved into thinking about things in a really powerful way. Rationality is simply having a good reason for a belief. It's, it's, it's seeing, it's being able to doubt beliefs and it's about seeing the implications of beliefs. Now in the older religious pre-rational cultures, people didn't do that so much. People didn't live very long, often. So there was an emphasis on tradition of maintaining the wisdom we had, which means things get repeated and repeated and repeated. Of course they change, but there's an emphasis on don't doubt it, just believe it. Then with rationality, you get this whole new movement and, and the good, big player in that was Descartes, who, who whose whole project was to doubt everything. And it gave us this other way of thinking and wow, what a difference. Suddenly we went from all believing the world was in the West, believing the world was created in seven days, or other cultures, it was on the back of a turtle, or whatever thing that that was the tradition, to going, that doesn't make any sense. And the next thing you know, our understanding of the universe has exploded exponentially until I can be here with you talking on the internet. It's an unbelievable journey. And why science has been exploding, spirituality hasn't it's been maintaining the traditions generally. So we've gone from a religious to a scientific worldview. And that was not just growth of knowledge, of wisdom. It was also a growth in compassion. And this is important, I feel. Because the old ideas, they're not thought through, you know. Sounds great, doesn't it, that God controls controls the universe. Phew except what sort of God is it that allows all this suffering? Oh, now you have a problem. It's not thought through. And what happens is that the older religious mindset has a really brutal attitude to suffering, generally. So if you suffer, it's because you sinned. God doesn't like you, or we sinned, and God is angry with us. A natural disaster happens. Why is God angry with us? Or, you know, in the East, you know, a baby's born with deformed with one leg it's like well you did something wrong it's your karma you did something wrong in a past life or the baby did something wrong in a past life you both did something wrong and this is the justice coming back to you it's a pretty brutal idea it's sense making but it's brutal sense making you've tried to explain the suffering but what you've end up with is a quite a is a, is a, a way of making meaning that lacks compassion and then science comes along and says no, no 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 This is a natural phenomenon in a biological level. No one's to blame. God didn't hate you because the locust came. There's reasons. And in your baby, let's take care of the babies. Let's not put them out to die because they're evil or they carry bad karma or they they have bad spirits associated with them. Let's actually increase compassion. And let's find out what the causes of the suffering are and solve it. And hugely, science has done that. It's a long way to go, but it's really done that. I mean, the example for me is that I'm a father, but when I was bringing up my kids and they were small, it never occurred to me once that there was a very good chance they could die before they were five. And yet, up until relatively recently, that was true in my culture. Four out of five kids would be dead very early, age of five. Wow, just that, what a transformation. Now, here's the problem science did that by using a method which has become known as reductionism human beings project where they are at the things they're the latest things they're doing onto the universe so we now look around us and go we have computers oh maybe the universe is a computer simulation or a hologram when science started off we were beginning to make really complex machines so maybe the universe is a machine Uh And how do you understand a machine where you look at how you take it to bits and you see how it works. So let's take the universe to bits and see how it works. And that's what science has done. And it's reduced the whole to its parts. And it's very good at helping you understand how things work. But it doesn't help you understand what a thing is because you've just taken it to bits. And what's happening in science now is that there is a new philosophy which I call emergence which is coming through in many areas in science, which goes, no, no, that's completely wrong because the whole point of the evolutionary process is new things arrive which are greater than their parts. The whole is greater than its parts. It's basically that holistic idea. So, you know, here I am, my body's made of chemicals, but if you had a pile of chemicals, they wouldn't be talking to you. The whole is greater than its parts. So reductionism is simply wrong. It's just wrong. And you can use rationality to point out that it is wrong. I mean, a simple one for me is I was reading a great physicist just the other week who described his philosophy as naturalism. And naturalism, he said, is the belief that what exists is what can be perceived by the senses. Which to me seems obviously a self-contradictory sentence because the meaning of the words cannot be perceived by the senses. It's understood by the psyche, the imagination, the soul. It has no material content. It has material correlates in the signs on the page or maybe movements in the brain. But there's more information than that. that. There is this information called meaning, and it's not material. So reductionism, in my view, is just simply wrong. But in spirituality, rationality has become associated with that narrow reductionism, and particularly because for most scientists, because they take that naturalistic view, only what, you, only what you perceive with the senses, the objective is real, it goes, look, we have physics, we have biology, and then it stops, and then you have psychology and the psyche, and that's just a byproduct of biology. It doesn't really exist. Well, of course it really exists. Have a look. This is nonsense to me. But science has got itself stuck with this limit. Now, spiritual people see that and they see that science is therefore missing something massive about the nature of reality. And if you go and study the soul, you know, especially through spiritual techniques, it's just extraordinary what's there. So the mistake that gets made is that then science, that, that, that rationality is seen as is about reductionism and to be resisted, but it isn't. Rationality is the thing. Having good reasons, thinking things through, is a faculty which has been developed through this period with science, which we now need to use for deeper purposes, and which we can can critique reductionism with rationality, which is simply having good reasons. But what's happening at the moment is we're not doing that, which leads to a prevalence, I would say, of pre-rational spirituality. Spirituality which doesn't doubt, which doesn't think through the implications of what's believed, and which therefore says things which is make makes sense of things in a in a simplistic and well faulty way. Now, if you mix into that some Eastern Indian transcendental mysticism, which is about withdrawing from the world altogether, in which the mind is simply a bad thing, just it should be silence. Now, the mind is 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 completely. You know, it's not a beautiful product of 14 billion years of evolution, it's the enemy. If you add that in, then you can see why we've ended up with, a, with this kind of faulty sense-making in spirituality. We've ended up with pre-rational thought, which isn't gonna be good enough. So in my opinion, if you stop thinking, you don't become enlightened, you become stupid. And the mind is a mixed bag. You know, yes, if you think anxious thoughts, it's not a good thing. But if you think wise thoughts, it is a good thing. Simple as that, like your body. You know, if your body hurts, it hurts. But it's also pleasure. The mind is the same. It's, it's not good or bad. It depends how we use it. And we need to use it in a sense-making faculty. We need to use it in a reasonable way. So what I want to see personally is an evolution from a pre-scientific religious mindset we went then went into the scientific rational mindset, and now we need a trans-scientific mindset. And particularly, we need a trans-scientific spirituality. And what that means to me is a spirituality which transcends and includes science, to use Ken Wilber's fantastic phrase. So it, it takes on science, the whole scientific project, all of that wisdom that it's acquired, And then it adds to it something that science is missing, which is the profound importance of the soul of the psyche, that it isn't just some byproduct of biology, that it's a whole domain in its own right. And the most important domain, because it's the most emergent, well, not most important, it's all important, of course, but the most emergent, the most rich, because it's where it has led to. So let me give you one example of where I see that as important in this whole um, area that I'm trying to explore with you. And that's with health. Now, I'm not an expert on health. um, But I can see this. The reductionist model is very good at dealing with the biological level of health. but it doesn't take into account the nature of the psyche or the soul. It sees it as largely irrelevant, but that's obviously wrong. It's obviously wrong because clearly the psyche has an effect on the body. It's doing it now. It's making my mouth move. I'm intending things and I'm saying things from that intention. There is a two way communication between the soul and the body. And science has to acknowledge that because of the huge, what gets called the placebo effect, which is really the self healing effect. That the way that the people think is healing the body in extraordinary ways. So here's an example where we need a trans-scientific spirituality or tra- which can see, which can take on a holistic view of this, which is beginning to happen. And personally, I think that it can go further than that. I haven't got time to discuss that now, but I think not only does the level of soul affect things individually in our own bodies, but I think there's a whole narrative level to existence. I'll say a little bit about that in a minute. That seems important, actually. So what that means is that there is room now for, yes, science, Great. Now add this, and it's what you're adding is by bringing spirituality, which has been there for centuries, and updating it into a new trans scientific form of spirituality, which can really help us understand the whole of human health. For for example, <clears throat> not a retreat into a rationality, which is what I see happening all too often, and it couldn't be clear with the coronavirus, all of these crazy things that people are saying, not, you know, hey deal with it on a biological level and add this to it. That's wise. But what I, I mean, I just heard a woman um, who does quite a lot of stuff publicly um, on the radio talking about how uh, I, she said, I, 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 you know, it doesn't worry her the coronavirus because I, she didn't know when it happened, but just one day she stopped believing in germ theory and that no longer is a reality for her and doesn't exist in her life. And the philosophy there is, if you don't believe it, it's not true. Now, that is irrational and dangerous and unthought through. I hear it a lot. We we create our own reality, either individually, I'm creating my own reality, which is a thought which just, you know, takes a second to think about that, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> which is, you know, if I'm creating my reality, you're my creation. And so how can that be? Because you're creating your own reality. As a hell of a coincidence, we managed to create it all that it all fits together. It can't be true, can it? It's nonsense. Or we're collectively creating our reality, and we've brought this on ourselves. You know, we've, like a dream, you know, and I've written about the idea of life as a dream a lot, but not, not in the sense that we're creating all of this, look, and, and it's, just, it's just telling us, uh, you know, it's just a message. What is, I mean, wh- wh- okay, so we created the coronavirus to give ourselves a message, but what about the pangolins? Did we give them, did they dream their own disease, or are we creating reality for them too? And the bats, and why would we do that? And just if we just stop and think it through, it clearly cannot be true. However, if we think clearly, if we're willing to be loving and wise, then there is a way in which we can see also, and this is the thing I was saying about narrative, also there is something to be added. So we exist on the biological level, it's doing its biological things, viruses exist, they come through every now and again. Um, It's hard to, to meet that challenge and we're doing our best. And we now exist on this level of soul, which is all about narrative and meaning. Isn't it? Look at it. (laughs) It's all things held together by meaning. So we need to go, what, what is, what this is happening in our story individually and collectively, just like when you get ill yourself, it's like, Whoa, what does this mean to me? So it's happening in our story at this point, what does this mean to us? And that's a really healthy thing to ask. And then we can make comparisons. Look, obviously this is not to do with global warming, but it doesn't seem to echo something about how we're treating the earth. Hmm, we can learn from this. These are really healthy, loving, wise questions to ask. So this trans-spiritual, trans-scientific spirituality that I want to see um, grow now needs to both critique pre-rational spirituality and reductionist science and offer a whole new vision. So let me try and pull all that together. There's a lot of philosophy in there, which sometimes doesn't feel appropriate in a time of suffering. But if you've made it through this far, I'm hoping it was of value to you. Let's return to where I started. Look there's a good chance it seems, I hope not, but it looks like there might be a tsunami of suffering coming our way and if we're gonna do that and we want to meet that, we want to make sense of that from a spiritual perspective we need to be very discerning, we need to be very big-hearted and we need to be very careful what messages we put out and what memes we make grow. So I'm making appeal for love and wisdom that we can question these things, find the best way of making sense of what's happening and then allow from the motivation of love us to find the deepest wisdom so that we come out from this into a new world and that we can nurture the positive because there's going to be positive and there's going to be huge negative both. So we need to be awake and ready to serve that process, that evolutionary purpose. So finally, because I don't reject at all the idea that our intentions have an effect, I just don't think they run the whole thing. I think everything is interacting. Biology is interacting with intention. It's happening right now as I speak physics, everything, it's one thing, and all the levels are interacting together. None of them are unreal. They're all part of one emergence. So, because of that, let me end by sending out my good thoughts, my prayers for you and your loved ones, for your health, and your well-being and for all of us to come together in love.